You are going to be so glad you're listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, episode number eight. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Hey everyone, welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. I'm Christy and this is episode number eight. And I'm so excited today because I have a very special guest. Um, I have Mr. Steve Maudlin here and he is the owner of the Old Mule Barbecue Sauce Company. Now, this interview is a little bit different today because I actually am sitting here face-to-face with Steve. So this is my first sit-down interview that we're actually getting to conduct in the same room. So uh, we might get a little carried away, so you'll just have to bear with us. But I'm so excited. Steve um, owns the barbecue sauce company called Old Mule. It's in North Carolina. Now, I'll tell you a little story. I have a friend that introduced me to this barbecue sauce years ago, and she was from Texas, and she had just moved from Texas to North Carolina. And she's a really good cook, and she always would say Old Mule was her secret sauce. She would say every recipe she would put she'd have some little secrets she would put in and old meal was the secret for a lot of them and um she moved up to north carolina and she kept saying i can't get i can't find this sauce now that i'm here in north carolina i can only find it in texas so i always thought it was a texas sauce i thought it was something you know texas and barbecue sauce kind of go together but um in actuality when we started ordering it online and looking into the getting the sauce we realized it was right here in our backyard right here in north carolina so we've been ordering ever since we have been diehard fans figuring out different ways to use the barbecue sauce but Steve has a a really good story to tell so um, Steve I've given a little bit of background a little bit of overview but Steve's got multiple interests and so you want to start out by telling us a little bit about yourself personally professionally and kind of how you got into the old meal barbecue sauce business okay well good morning I appreciate you having me here um well I just recently finished up uh, what we always call the day job um been in law enforcement for 30 years and uh, most recently the last 20 some uh, 22 years with uh, the state of North Carolina working major crimes homicides public corruption things like that Uh, also with the bomb squad Mm. and um, so I've just finished that up uh, the end of January Um, the uh, old mule actually started back in college Wow, I didn't realize it was that long yeah, ago. Yeah, we, um, as I said, I couldn't afford real presents, so I'd make fudge <laughs> and barbecue sauce and whatever else for, for Christmas presents and whatnot. Um, after college, it was always one of those little things you just kind of make up a batch and give it out as, mm-hmm. as gifts or whatever, whenever you had the notion. Um, after I got married... Um, we were kind of toying with it, and people kept saying, you ought to sell this, or as I say, mm-hmm. people we thought were our friends right. were trying to talk <laughs> us into starting a business. And we had day jobs, and it's like, yeah, that's a cute idea, that's mm-hmm. a cute idea. And then one day, we started playing with it, and when uh, job transfers brought us up to western North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, we started delving into it a little more, and it took us about six, seven years to actually get up and running as a business. Wow. Um, mostly, we would just dabble on it. The day jobs were pretty demanding on call 24 hours and there just wasn't a lot of time having kids starting a family right um but we kind of eased our way into it and uh 1995 became a real business um 
and really had almost no idea what we were doing. So let me ask you this. You you already had the, did you come up with the recipe? Was it just something that was in your family? It, it or? Was, I had come up with the recipe and we've had a lot of variations mm -hmm. going forward. Um, it's like anyone that cooks, you're always kind of right. tweaking and changing and trying something different. And the, the, the hardest thing for someone that does that is probably making the same thing twice. Right, <laughs> you know? right. remember what you did. <laughs> yes. Um, once you decide you're going to go into business, um, that you need to start standardizing. And then mm -hmm. you really start looking at consistency. Mm -hmm. And what do I want to be consistent on? How am I going to be consistent? Mm -hmm. um, how do I deliver the same product um, and do it economically and reliably? Right. right. Uh, and that, that becomes a challenge, especially when you're into cooking. Well, I guess you have to look at your ingredients, too, Correct. and look at, you know, what, I mean, some things are so expensive that, you you know, I don't know that people would pay $30 for a jar of bar a barbecue sauce, so you, you have to look at what you're getting, what you're putting in there and making sure your margins well, are right. Well, and, and, and things like uh, that you might not think about as much when you're just cooking a small batch for, your, for right. you and your family, um, you might throw some accent mm -hmm. in there yeah. because, you, because <laughs> you your, your mom yeah. always did it, and it's MSG. <laughs> And um, once you start looking at it, you think, is that important? Right. And and from a, a marketing commercial point of view, mm -hmm. how do other people feel about this? Not just how do I feel about my product, which right. always matters. Mm -hmm. You've got to have your own heart in it. Mm -hmm. But you you have to consider what other people want. Right. What are they thinking about? What mm -hmm. are they? What are their interests? And MSG was kind of a no brainer. That that's true. That it may has... have been fine for your mom making spaghetti sauce, but <laughs> right. it probably doesn't belong if you're going in the market from the beginning. Right, to, to appeal to the broader market. Correct. So so you kind of had the product already to the point where you kind of basically knew your basic recipe. At that point, you would make it, give it out Christmas presents or make up a batch and hand it out to friends or big barbecue uh, enthusiasts or whoever you knew. And they validated the idea. So they would say, oh, this is so good. You ought to, and of course, every everyone in business knows your customers always tell you, oh, you ought to do this and you ought to do that. And in those six to seven years, whenever you um, were getting it ready, you finally started it in 1995. How do you start something like that? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people that have, whether it's, you know, an old family recipe for fudge or brownies or some other type of sauce or some other type of food product. And I think a lot of people maybe shy away from food products as well because of like the regulation and the health department and that sort of thing. But th there are people out there that have these great products that they make, they enjoy with their family, they pass it down from generation to generation. What's the first step in getting started with something like um, that? Well, you, you're on a food product in particular, you've got to deal with the, the business structure, mm -hmm. which isn't terribly uh, cumbersome. You know, mm -hmm. what kind of are your proprietorship, or you uh, right. be an LLC, uh, uh, S-Corp, ever, how are you going to set it up, mm -hmm. uh, and making that step, and most people start as a sole proprietor. Right, that's the easiest to set up, you're right? Go you're going to have to look at uh, insurance, and I don't think we really worried with that the first six months, mm -hmm. because there were like five people right. getting the sauce, <laughs> right. um, but you have to keep that in mind, that you're mm -hmm. going to cross that, and then the, the regulatory side of uh, stepping out, and you hear a lot about regulation, mm -hmm. and, and I would on upstarts. I don't think it's uh, it can be a burden right at the launch, mm -hmm. but while you're in that kind of incubator small stage, mm -hmm. it's really generally not too bad. I, in my experience, most of the uh, regulators one that they know your market's so small, you're mm -hmm. not much of a threat to I the gotcha. public health. You're not going to wipe out a whole population. Right. Yet. And uh, I think there's uh, 
is kind of like the small farmer. Everybody kind of wants you to get your legs under you, but mm-hmm. recognize that as you grow, those those are real issues you're going to have to face. I was going to say, every expansion, I'm sure that all comes into play. So um, whenever you start making a product like that, and and I think you know now it's even probably easier than it was when you guys started back in 1995 because um, there are these kind of co-sharing like commercial kitchens mm-hmm. and that sort of thing where you can there rent are. space and so I mean it's become easier to get in the food product in you know uh, get a food product out there to market where do you start with distribution with something like that um look around uh, we had a friend um have a friend that uh, they make jams jellies apple butters uh-huh. um, do very fine products um and my wife was in there one day talking to her and uh, we didn't know them that well at the Mm -hmm. time and she basically my wife's you know she always prefers to give away product that side of things (laughs) but yeah she was like well we've got this product well no never mind you don't want it you don't want it (laughs) she'll talk you out of it so the lady finally (laughs) agreed no give me some i want some and uh it just kind of got you started and uh then you look around at your product and where you think it would fit Mm -hmm. and I remember having um, like 20 cases of sauce, mm-hmm. and I thought, there's no way we're ever going to sell all that. Right, you I think you've made where. more than you'll ever use. I mean, <laughs> this is this is impossible. And you get your legs under you, and if you have a good product, and you will find the right venue. Mm-hmm. I mean, not every outlet um, automotive repair shop may not be the best place for right. a barbecue sauce. Right, right, yeah. On the other hand, we have had it in yeah, the automotive that's, shop. That's so you don't, don't limit yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, with barbecue sauce in particular, everybody's like, my cousin's got a, a barbecue restaurant. And you, yeah. you can pretty well, everybody thinks that, but you can pretty well shut that down. Uh-huh. Because they do their own, they right? They do their, their own. Signatures. That's, why they're, that's yeah. how they got into their business. Yeah. And you must be respectful of other people's Absolutely. sauces. Absolutely. Um, on the other hand, a restaurant that also serves barbecue might mm-hmm. be an option. There are issues with the restaurant industry Mm -hmm. as far as delivery and supply. It's it's a much more difficult business than the retail Mm -hmm. end. Um, But trying to find the right um, business, the right store Mm -hmm. to place your product and start getting your exposure. Did you find that you gravitated toward retail right away, or we did? Okay, Um, we didn't have this. You got to remember, we were just prior to the internet. that has opened up a lot of avenues that right. were out there before, Absolutely. but you had to go find some stores. And so the gift shop, the mm-hmm. the mom and pop, and being in Western North Carolina, the uh, the nature of our label, we had kind of a theme in our mind mm-hmm. of how we wanted it to look. The the general store right. style, uh, the old craft paper type Absolutely. labeling, very simple, yeah. less is more kind of approach. Um, so that that immediately sends you to certain areas, mm-hmm. uh, the tourist area along the uh, the parkway right. places like that Absolutely. and they're always looking for something new and different um if it will look professional mm-hmm. and will sell and that's what i always told them if, if it's not going to sell for you you don't need it it's not doing right. either one of us absolutely any good. absolutely so try it if it sells and early on out you know here's if you want a case of sauce if you don't if it doesn't sell i'll buy it back from you. absolutely i did not really like consignment because i can't keep track of who it, is it is what. it is a cumbersome but we did some of that, but basically uh, get it in the places and uh, see what's selling where and mm-hmm. just hustle. You're just working. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting, though, because I think with your your specific mm-hmm. product, because it has a good shelf life, 
um, retail makes perfect sense. Right. Now, there might be some other people, whether you bake bread or other types of food products that are maybe have a little more perishable. Right. And maybe the retail market is not the best way. Maybe it's going straight to restaurants or, you know, where you can get a lot of consumption. Well, and I th the interesting, the, the uh, bread, I, I know a lady that does uh, the bakery bread uh, business she started and a lot of the farmers market but I think she's also found at least in a local geographic area if she can run a route and maintain mm -hmm. a presence now hers it, you can't leave it for you know a month you're right, going to have right, to be right. there every couple of days right. but I think she's started building on that uh, kind of low um, radius right high touch points <laughs> whereas a lot, i know, can reach out pretty far and she, she doesn't have that and, option yeah. but she needs she's she's recognized the limits and on the flip side is hers will be if she can get the consumers buying it it'll be gone by the mm -hmm. end of the week and absolutely so, absolutely so she has a quicker turnover in that regard people won't we get a lot of people buy ours or they're given some mm -hmm. and it'll sit in their cabinet for a year right yeah or you get a case mm -hmm. and it takes you a whole right. year to go through the case now at the point in time that you guys took off the the i guess on the journey of saying we're going to make this a from a hobby or a little you know fun thing i used to do to a business did you have any real fears about it? I mean, did you think, well, are we going to sink a lot of money into it and it's not going to go anywhere? Or, you know, what what were your biggest fears yes. that you had? Yes and yes. Um, uh, all of the above. Everybody. Well, it's a food product. You, yeah. you uh, With my background, you, you're constantly looking at the legal aspects and the, oh, yeah. you know, are we going to get sued? You know, are we going to be you, on the news? Yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> you, you live in fear of that. And, of course, you realize that the number of incidents in the country mathematically are almost non-existent. Right, and also having, I guess, a product that's cooked. It's, it, and it, ours are very, yes, very stable, safe, yeah. low pH. Um, the um, That was one, the the amount of money. Now, initially, you're not spending a lot, although mm -hmm. it seems like it at the mm -hmm. time. I mean, mm -hmm. wow, this is $400. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, those, you kind of think you're a little crazy, but it's kind mm -hmm. of fun. Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, mm -hmm. I, I don't golf, so right. I'm doing it's this instead. It's when you get to that next point, or as I told people, if you want to be poor, start a business. You want to be really poor, have a successful business. If you, <laughs> if you have anything with a capital input, uh -huh. you quickly, as a, you outgrow your plateau. You spend money to buy equipment that will buy you a certain amount of productivity. Right. And I always never understood the, the concept of they grew too fast. Ah. But I, I quickly, in a very real way, learned it because... You spend amount of money, and before you can recoup what you've spent, you've mm -hmm. outgrown your capacity, and you're having to spend more. Yeah. So that I need to borrow money, I need to put money in, mm -hmm. just to keep up with our growth. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you can buy yourself into enough of a plateau or enough of a capacity, you can pay back the cost to get there before mm -hmm. you need to go to the next level. And and each each expenditure, your plateau gets a little longer mm -hmm. you have a little more time buying there. yourself more time yeah. and and your growth slows i mean the first year and you quickly learn that it does not yeah maintain that that growth rate and mm -hmm. then you have cycles up and down and like we did with the day jobs i know one year i had some options i was looking at for growth mm -hmm. but it turned out all three kids wanted to play t-ball that year uh, so <laughs> okay yeah you, yeah you know we had you the day job choices, so you yeah. you prioritize and you step back and say all right well we're going to be 
helping coach T-ball. So, right. So we cannot grow the business that much this year. Well, and you know, the scalability, you, when you get to that point of, I can invest more and I can grow and get to that next level. I mean, that's the point at which so many businesses struggle. You know, right. they either say, at this point, we either need to close the doors or we need to go all in. Um, it's the same thing when it comes to, uh, are we now producing enough? It's time to hire people, you know? And you run into, um, I guess, the 110% factor, which is, yes, this is my capacity, but before I spend money to go to the next level, I'm going to be up till midnight, even though I've got a 9 a.m. meeting right. or I've got to be somewhere or we're back from the T-ball. Now it's time to go to work right. till 2 a.m. Right. Um, you have to run at 110, 120% of what your ability is to buy more time before you have to spend the money. Race, isn't it? It's funny because it really it sucks the hobby right out of it, doesn't it? it? <laughs> well, it depends. Um, going back, I don't. There again, I don't golf, but I, I've seen plenty of people that come home with broken clubs, right? And yeah. they can't find their club because <laughs> they threw it in the yeah. trees. Um, so, because you're in it for the passion. Um, and you enjoy it doesn't necessarily mean every day is a good day or right. it's all fun. I mean, right, we, we, exactly. As you mentioned, uh, um, you know, we have a farm, and mm-hmm. there's that's not always a pretty right. experience. Right. There, there's bad days. It's like everything. You take the good with the You've bad. You've got and... to enjoy the challenge. Absolutely. If you do not relish a challenge, if you don't just want to just grab hold and fight it, right. um, small business may not be it's, a good yeah, thing. Yeah, I was going to say it's definitely not for the weak of heart or the people that... Um, want the easy money <laughs> for that, sure well, there is no easy money in there small is business. no easy money now as you've kind of transitioned from sort of the worker with a full-time job and then you started this business and kind of have grown it to the point that i know you've got your family members involved and that sort of thing have you had any sort of business coach or mentor or kind of how did you how did you learn all your business chops so to speak um lots of trial and error okay um, yeah <laughs> I can't say that if the closest I would have to one mentor would probably be my father-in-law. Okay. Um, and he was not in small business, but he had a he was definitely in business with the heavy equipment uh, industry. But he had always come across, and just in talking to him, you learn basic business principles. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't really trying to teach it; it's just mm-hmm. talking about this company or that company. But there was always some mom and pop. Uh, good old boys that mm-hmm. had a welding shop that ended up making a thing or a widget for the logging industry that his company was interested in buying their company or ah. and you start to see these are not the there's something special about people that start a small business mm-hmm. but they're not necessarily um a separate group they're mm-hmm. not different from you they right just, and even they was, don't give up for one yeah and you know the, it's that business mindset i mean right. you can find plenty of people that are actually still working for other people maybe because they're too afraid or they're too financially underwater to step out and do their own but but there are business lessons to be learned from a lot of people that are just around and if you're not afraid of long days there's nothing to say you can't run a business now Absolutely. with us with our jobs we had the conflict of interest issues that mm-hmm. were uh, part of the going back to where we were selling our stores and finding stores, uh, that was completely out of my area. Okay. I would not sell in my area because of a possible conflict right. of interest. I don't want to right. have this come back Yes, yes, anywhere. yes. So, that's, that's true. So it cause... depends on your job. If you have a set day job, mm-hmm. well, you, you need to expect you're going to be working nights and weekends. So, yeah, whenever you, you eliminate a whole 
a whole part of your network, so to speak, just for the sake of being it's above board on that. It yeah, it's, you know you've got to find other avenues for that. So that's interesting. Now, are there, whenever you got started or whenever you, I know even, um, let's mention some of the, you're in some grocery stores, right? Um, I yes. think I found you in uh, like a Publix grocery store. Um, we, I believe we are in a few Publix. A few Publix. Um, and, the, and you're obviously in something in Texas because my, my friend, uh, that's where right. she found it, was able to get it. But how, what, um, what type of resources or how, how do you go about dealing with those big organizations or getting in the product? I mean, shelf space is at a premium, I know. I, I will let you know when I figure it out. <laughs> okay. um, the, the biggest issue I've run into, oddly, is the uh, making contact. Because, I mean, if you have a business line like we do at our world headquarters next to the washer dryer right, um, right. <laughs> we have a business line mm -hmm. and it it shows as a business line right. so we get calls all day from someone wanting to sell us something ah gotcha so it becomes i don't even answer the phone before five right it, and that's like we're running a business but you're not going to answer the phone <laughs> um but honestly we're not normally there but there's always hang-ups with people wanting to sell credit card processing mm -hmm. or something so the biggest problem is getting anyone at a company to answer a phone mm -hmm. to talk to because mm -hmm. everybody is burning up the phone all day long trying right. to sell them something. Mm -hmm. um, the terminology. You have an entire shipping industry, and the trucking companies want to send something to our loading facility and talk uh, to our uh, the, warehouse the manager. Doc. I'm like, and I'm it. Do you have a dog? I'm the guy. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we can handle that but they start throwing terminology because mm -hmm. they're used to dealing with their peers. Absolutely. Um, TPR in the grocery industry. It took me a while to catch on to that. Temporary is... price reduction. That's that oh, 35 cents okay. off. Okay, I gotcha. Okay. And when they throw that out, and they're, well, you need your TPRs, and they start throwing these acronyms and things right. that, that people in their industry use routinely, mm -hmm. and you're saying, time out. You just realize you're the outsider and whenever that happens. And they send you a vendor form, and it's chock full of terms and blocks and blanks yeah. that you have no idea what they are. And that's... There again, with the internet, it, it's much easier to type that Research, in yeah. and say grocery industry TPR, mm -hmm. and you'll find out what it is. Mm -hmm. um, but navigating the technical side of that, mm -hmm. um, and it's a cutthroat world, yeah. um, but largely we've just, um, we'll pick one or two. With the day jobs, we always had to limit what right. we would venture into, and people would, my wife would always say, well, you know, they're probably not going to accept it mm -hmm. <laughs> or say, mm -hmm. say they want it. But we couldn't pick 20 options for the year because right. in the off chance, 20, they, 15 they or 20 took, said yeah. yes, we would have a problem. Right. Um, so we would pick one or two things a year, and we would send a cover letter and a mm -hmm. case of sauce. And mm -hmm. you just if it's not going to work for them, then you have to accept that. Um, so was it real targeted? You would like uh, sort of do your research on these places that you wanted to put your so. sauce on? On the larger scale, I would pick. I would really think and look around and figure out where I think we would fit. Mm -hmm. And one company took me over four and a half years. Every every year I wow. went by there, I'd stop by and drop yeah. a jar off to the buyer. Yeah. And one year they had a different buyer. Interesting. And, um, you know, you just, it's a thick skin. You're not yeah. harassing them. Absolutely. Uh, it's their business. Mm -hmm. They're going to make their decisions. And we've had companies drop us because of their business decisions. And right. That's, you have to respect that. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, are there any 
any internet resources or even organizations that you might have found helpful in trying to get this, crack the code on any of this sort of thing that Not, maybe other people I wouldn't would... say a, a particular resource. I, you know, where you have to be leery because everybody's there, selling yeah, something. Yeah, and I was going to say so, there's so, so many scams or even, let, you well, know, pay us and we'll do something maybe. And something, I, going on the mentor, talked about my father-in-law, um, the other big mentor or resource that's invaluable are other small business owners. Ah, yeah, that, that, is, that is true. If, if Once you kind of get the uh, small business fever, mm -hmm. and, it, yes. and it's weird, you don't really understand it till you have it, um, you find you can sit down with another small business person, and it doesn't matter if they build houses right. or porch swings. Mm -hmm. There's a commonality. You're like, that's my people right there. Yeah, yeah. I know these people. Mm -hmm. And that, and the mentoring is also as a resource, that's where you're going to find, mm -hmm. if you like a label, talk to the person, who does your labels? You know, where yeah, do you get them? Yeah, absolutely. You know, have you ever thought about a labeling machine? Mm -hmm. well, you why know, did you, you when, go with yeah, it or why did you? did you research? Yeah. What did you, and that, just ask. Uh, small business people That's... love small business. Mm -hmm. If not, well, they're going to sell you a small business. Yeah, exactly. Well, I was going to say, though, uh, that that's one thing I found, too, just in reaching out to small business owners. It seems like if you reach out, people are willing. You know, if you they just are. ask and if you just say, hey, I'd like to talk to you about this and that. I mean, it's honestly, it's different than coming at you with a sales pitch about something. And, and there's, you know. you know, everybody's got proprietary information. Right, and right. you have to respect that and not push too hard, right. but it, you don't have to because it's not in the details. Mm -hmm. It's in the basic concepts. Um, there are places that are good avenues for us mm -hmm. with our sauce that have worked out very well. And I mentioned the tourist industry. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of gift shops along the parkway. Absolutely well, there are. one of the side benefits of that for us has been, uh, and I did not intend it at the time, mm -hmm. that is why we've um, had so many people in Michigan or Nebraska order our sauce. I see. They pick up they a jar stroll for, through. for Uncle Earl who right. watched the dogs while they were out of town right. for their vacation. And next thing, Uncle Earl in Nebraska is ordering sauce. Absolutely. And yeah. that has been an interesting marketing aspect, mm -hmm. but it's an unintended consequence. And that would be different for different businesses. It, yeah, it would be depending on what you have. And, you know, at the same time, whenever you think about talking to other small business owners, you, you really don't know, but that it might lead to some sort of a partnership or even some sort of a resource sharing. You know, if you're, there's mm -hmm. a piece of equipment you both could utilize, but not at capacity, it might be worthwhile to talk and to people. We've got uh, a couple of stores that uh, sell our sauce. Mm -hmm. And then going back to the kids in the day job, I'm supposed to cook sauce this weekend. Okay. And it doesn't happen. <laughs> uh -huh. But I've got an order I need to fill. Right. I'll call them up and I'll say, can I have a case back? Ah, so they can get, get you out of a bind. Absolutely. I'll, you know, so I think leaning on each other in a way that you're not uh, stepping on each other's toes. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a, more of a collaboration versus a competition. And I think, you know, I think from what I'm seeing, at least, and of course, I'm, you know, the outsider looking in to small business, but I am seeing more people come on board with that instead of it being, you know, with small business, it's not as cutthroat. It's more of, you know what, everyone that's in this along with me, we're going to be able to pull our whole community along with us. And it's not the cutthroat, like, I want to put that guy across town out of business kind right. of thing. So I, I do find that 
in a very refreshing way. So that, that well, is... your your market. I don't need to be the top selling sauce in the eastern U.S. Right. I need to have a good enough following for us. Mm-hmm. You're almost you're not really competing. I guess if you had a tire shop, you might be competing against the tire shop in town. Right. 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 But. On a product like ours, there's lots of room out there, mm-hmm. and everybody and their brother has a barbecue sauce. Uh, yeah. So it's, the it, idea that you're going to be the only player, you can go ahead and put that. Yeah, down. That's, exactly. That's not well, and you know, and even to go ahead and eliminate the fact that you know you're probably not going to be able to compete with these big commercial, um, you know, people no. that have the. And you're you're not so trying to compete try. with craft or any of these other do ones. Do what you do well, and don't worry about the competition. Right now, I wanted to talk to you a little bit too, um, and I, I haven't mentioned it, but the. Um, uh, before we talk about any failures that you you may have had or uh, along the way, um, oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> um, whenever you, uh, one thing that I thought was unique and the one thing that I really appreciated about um, the company that you've established is that you have chosen to keep all of your production right under and in your facility. Now, with you know the scalability thing plays into. Uh, consideration so many times with food products and people outsource it to the private labeler, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And can you talk a little bit about that decision and what, what made you say, this is the right thing for us? I realize we could, you know, have so much more capacity if we did, right. you know, the outsourcing, but what I, was it? Um, I was probably naive. Oh, okay. I didn't know any better. <laughs> okay. Um, as I said, we had a friend that made jams, jellies, and that was what I thought you did. Okay. I did not realize that almost nobody makes anything. Anymore. Right, exactly. That, That's that, why you're unique, though. That's that, a great and thing. That, that played into it. Uh, initially, we did it because we thought that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, once we realized that's not what anybody else is doing, you realize, well, wait a minute, I am doing something that's a little special. Right. Here. With that, the scalability mm-hmm. and the um, if you need to grow any more than you are now, if an mm-hmm. op- opportunity is there, You've got labor issues, you've got Absolutely. equipment issues, the yeah. capital expenses on stainless is just it's mm. through the roof. So you've got things that are going to constantly constrict what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a balance also in our case with the kids growing up, the ability for them to be hands-on with a business mm-hmm. versus are we taking their childhood? Right. <laughs> so, Slave labor, yeah. right? <laughs> it's a, it, you know, there's a balance there. Mm-hmm. Um but we did talk about using a co-packer, and we've mm-hmm. had people approach us about right. co-packing for them. Um, as we tell, we, we can barely get done what we're doing. Right. We don't want to <laughs> we're not trying to add more, exactly. Um, but the um, uh, we looked at that, and there's obviously going to be a cost associated with that. Now, granted, their inputs may be cheaper because they're buying right. a higher volume. Absolutely. But you're going to pay them for that. But you know, you're investing your time otherwise. Mm-hmm. So whether that's a break even or not, I'm not sure. Right. But the uh, one co-packer I was talking to does a lot of uh, different companies. Um, I was telling them how this has to be done to make it turn out the way it does. Uh-huh. And they, in all due respect, were saying, well, yes, but this is the way we'll have to do it. And, and right. it's like, you can, I, I, you have to make some compromises mm-hmm. if you're going to do that. But in our case, there were some compromises that we were not willing to make because we know it affects the flavor. It materially changed the product that you right. had. And, and it may not for another product. And I'm not right, blaming right, right. they do a fine job and they, mm-hmm. they've got a great business. But with us, it would have changed the nature. And mm-hmm. at that point, the reality was we have invested in 
mm-hmm. the labeling machine. And, right. And, and there was a lot of uh, decisions made on different equipment along the way. Mm-hmm. And, but we were so far down that road, I wouldn't say we're past the point of no return because all you'd have to do is sell the equipment right. and change. Right, But you've already paid the dues. Right. You, you've, you've, you've fought through those different barriers and you're on the back end now and it's not easy and there's still some limitations, mm-hmm. but it's starting to get easier. As gotcha. it's Our plateau is longer. We mm-hmm. have more capacity. The amount of money when we bought our labeling machine, I think we spent our entire year's revenues Wow. Not profits. Yeah. Our revenues wow. was equivalent to that labeling machine. Wow. The next piece of equipment would be a part of profits. Not yeah. and so that's a huge Yeah. So there's the economy of scale buys you more opportunity mm-hmm. if you can just stick with a plan or recognize what's wrong with your plan and make an adjustment. Mm-hmm. Co packers are definitely a way to go. I know another yeah. business that's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um and they've gone the co-packer route, mm-hmm. and they're still not sure how it's going to turn out. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things that um, sometimes you might even have to go through several different co-packers in order to find the right one that matches, you know, gets the best product and out I there. I think a lot of it, what they've dealt with, that other company, um, in, the, in the back of my mind, because everybody's business is so special. Right, yeah. Um, is proprietary information mm-hmm. and you can have all the contracts in the world but in the internet age yes, do you really want to hand exactly. that recipe yeah. that technique that secret formula? it's true because i mean that's that's that is your product i mean that is that the, is, that is the, exactly that, that is list. your tangible goods right there is that recipe and the the method to, to get you, there you have your your uniqueness you have your brand marketing mm-hmm. And you have your customers. Well, and did it play into a factor at all, the fact that, I mean, I, your kids obviously expressed an interest in continuing to do it, so you knew you kind of had some additional labor? Or I, I never said they expressed an interest. Oh, okay, they're doing it. They're, they're um, doing. They've always had a great pride mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, when you say on a beautiful Saturday, all right, got to cook today, <laughs> and all of a sudden you notice you're the only one standing yes, in the exactly. room. I thought there were some people here a minute ago. Um, so it, it's been a love hate uh-huh. and, and we try to, uh, we've always, we've never treated them as free labor. Right. This is above and beyond. Okay. So, um, the family side of things is always a balance. Like I said, the T-ball mm-hmm. issues. Um, on the other hand, there's a work ethic and a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, d- we've never been big on, uh, allowances. Uh-huh. Know. Right. It's, it's your laundry. It's exactly, Fold it and put it away. Exactly. Right. <laughs> um, you live here. I'm sorry. Help there's it. a pot. You, you <laughs> cook the soup, clean the pot. Right. You don't get paid for that. <laughs> but um, there's there's work there. And I, mm-hmm. I know of other people that have had that, oh, the free labor of the child. Right. And that's, in a small business, that's very tempting. Mm-hmm. But as my daughter, when she was real little, said, Daddy, you don't need to pay me for, for being here. I just want oh, to, I just want to be down here doing yeah. this. Like, Hun, I think I'm going to pay you. Yeah, anyway, just yeah. Because just, I think that'll change. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't want to ruin I, At that pay. point, I would walk along and tear off a piece of paper and throw them on the floor randomly when she wasn't looking. Uh-huh. Her job was to pick up the trash. I gotcha. So um, she was being, she, she was, was contributing there. though. That that gives so, a great sense so of they, pride. So they make a decent uh, wage, and at their age, I think they've always been very pleased mm-hmm. to work. You know, mm-hmm. not not every day, but right. in a big sense, they they've gotten it. And you know, you have pride. labor to help with whenever you get the big and things coming. The up. other thing about leaning on family labor too much is that they grow up. Yeah, and if they are not charting their own course 
you know, are you doing them any favors? It's a little bit of resentment, I so can you imagine. Need to, you need to think of them as an employee relationship to the mm -hmm. extent you can because uh, uh, they've got their own choices to make, too. But I just think, you know, going back as a kid, I, I grew up in a household where my dad worked for NASA, and so I was a, you know, government you know, saw the government job, you know, back and forth. And, you know, you do the same thing. You work there 35 years and then you retire. And um, I look back now and I think, man, these kids that have the, the parents that have their own business, they are getting so much education. I mean, I know most of them do not appreciate it. Most of them are just like, oh my gosh, it's the thorn in my side. But as an adult looking back, what an invaluable experience to be able to be in that business and see the ups and downs and see all there is about business right there living in your house. You well, know? and in our case, you know, we did some samplings and demos and that's that's personal contact mm -hmm. and teachable moments, mm -hmm. as we say. So our kids, um, I think have been very fortunate as, as a lot of kids and that grew up in a business family of understanding how important it is to get it right. Mm -hmm. And that they've had job opportunities come up because of their work ethic. Right. Yeah. And and as a parent, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, and it's not <clears throat> something you can teach in a class at school. You, no, know, you don't get that no. taught. You see it lived out. And, and, and the results, if we don't do this right, this sale doesn't go. It and, may not go anyway. Right. But but it, you got a better it, chance. There's a result that comes from doing things right. Yeah, that's that's amazing. It's a great, great experience for kids. And I think you know maybe there's a trend back toward that. I know um, a lot of universities now are starting entrepreneurship programs. Right. And I think you know trying to teach the skills that... that... The, the biggest thing with working with your own children, especially as they get older, is recognizing that that parent-child relationship is not changes, an employer-employee relationship. Mm -hmm. And I literally have paid... A young man to do work on our farm, mm -hmm. clearing fence lines, mm -hmm. and he was making per hour the exact same that my son was making at another man's farm, mm -hmm. doing the exact same work. Wow! And that doesn't seem to make sense, uh -huh. but my son will step up and be more uh, formal mm -hmm. in that relationship. Yes. It's just, and you have to understand that there, it isn't the same. Right. And it and almost push it too far. seeing that relationship play out mm -hmm. in a different way with someone right. else, a stranger, you know, that doesn't have the family ties. Um, it kind of validates that you did a good job. And, or and, that, then, yeah. and then when you find out other people have seen him over there and they're right. trying to hire him, you're like, oh, yeah. we're on the right path. Yeah. But they eventually come back around, I think, to understanding what their role is and what it's mm -hmm. given them. But, um, you're teaching them those skills, but your relationship will never be the same mm -hmm. as a regular employer, and, right. and nor should it. Yeah. Um, well, and you know, it also gives them some exposure to doing other types correct. of work. They that, need to work for other people. Yeah, that that will say, you know, look, there's a whole host of things you could do, but you could always come back here, you know, right. and try it out and see. So that's interesting. Now, um, we don't like to focus on the negative, obviously, uh, but I'm sure there have been some failures that you've had along the way. Um, is there anything in particular that stands out that maybe was an experience where you think, oh, man, I can't believe we did this, and you could share it, and maybe it could help someone else in that situation? Um, equipment choices. Oh, okay. Um, would be ours. but Okay. Basically, it's the balance between really opening up and taking people's input, advice from people, listening to those that have gone and have done and, and listening to what they're saying, but at the same time, no, you have to back up and make your own decisions for yourself. And mm -hmm. I, several pieces of equipment I bought because that's what you buy. 
People uh, told me like that. Like industry standard right, type like thing. Right, like forklift. Well, I didn't oh. need a forklift. Ah. And the forklift I got wasn't the right one for what I needed. And, mm. You know. Yeah. And so, so it just ends up being a money pit, and then you end up having to redo. And then you try to sell it. The day I tried to sell it, um, a gentleman was going to drive down to look at it, and I went out and you know, pulled it out. And when I went to hit the lift, the hydraulic pump went out. Oh, no. So, so there goes like, the sales so, bill. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'd say, you know, it's that... You need to really listen to people because when you start, there's equipment and things and products and ingredients or whatever that you've never even heard of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that solve your problem. Mm -hmm. And so your research will find those, but don't be so quick to just assume because someone else has it, you should have to go that's get it because that's get. the next step. So let me add... those are expensive lessons. When you're starting out, mm -hmm. things like a forklift or you know a, a used whatever, mm -hmm. um, they can set you back years. Well, I was going to ask you about that because not being someone that um, has been exposed to a lot of businesses that do physical product, is it is there the option of you either buy it outright or you lease it? Um, and which have you? We've we've not gone that route. Uh, used equipment um, labeler we bought was new. Um, you can lease equipment. Mm -hmm. We've not gone down there. I'm starting mm -hmm. to look more into mm -hmm. those things. Okay. Uh, cash flow is always an issue, so to know that it's resolved mm -hmm. um, and is it's over, mm -hmm. and I don't have a monthly expense, yeah. is is a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's a lot of more business oriented approaches. We've we've shoestringed ours all along. Right. And we've we've finally have gotten, as we say, gotten our legs under mm -hmm. us. And what we've always lacked is time. Yeah. And the time to work out some of the little nuances mm -hmm. that make things run better. And that's kind of where we are now. Uh, well, now no you're able to focus job. on it. Yeah. And, and I was going to say that you, you'll, you'll definitely see some changes come about just because you finally have the time to do that kind of thing. Um, what type of marketing do you guys do? Are you doing anything right now that's working? Um, we haven't done much. There again, even the basic marketing um, can take time. Mm -hmm. We've done some... Uh, online ads mm -hmm. uh, uh, campaigns never really focused on it because they're again it you know, we've always sold pretty much as much as we could make mm -hmm. by word of mouth mm -hmm. just right there uh, right. locally and but... well not just locally and we have um, uh, outlets in California okay um, the Midwest and we've always had a few mom and pops from wherever mm -hmm. that just call and uh, big pine California called oh, wow. me, store up there called and wanted some sauce. And Interesting. Like, Somebody in somehow exposed them to so, it. So, yeah. you know, we, we've uh, been very fortunate with that. Um, but now that we're trying to push it, and that coupled with the one or two things a year where, you know, we would send out a sample Huge and orders. hope something would, mm -hmm. would uh, stick. Um, the marketing has never been on the forefront. We're okay. getting there. That's, okay. Well, that's something we're pushing more this year. Okay. We're getting more aggressive because our ability to produce more uh, free time during the week, basically. Absolutely. Um, I can start stepping it up. So okay. marketing is more of a up-and-coming thing for us. Okay. We've, we've done, and actually old school with our product, we've had several uh, magazine uh, articles that they basically contacted okay. us and yeah. wanted to write. We had a, a uh, mention in the Washington Post and okay. weird things like that. Yeah, that just random. Yeah, RFD TV. Uh, okay, had a, show, a cooking show for Cowboys. 
kitchen. Okay. That con they contacted us through a long route. They just kind of wanted to get some sauce, and they ended up doing a commercial with it. And yeah. And there are opportunities. There's some stuff in the works now that where people are wanting to use your product as their product to sell. Mm-hmm. But it provides you exposure to a new audience. Right. And, right. Uh, so that's. We're looking for those opportunities because they don't cost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cheap. Well, I was going to say, you know, these are good things to know for other people to know what is out there and what the possibilities are because it is, you know, the internet has made it so much easier, but at the same time, that in, the fact that you have information overload, sometimes you need somebody that's been there and done that to sort of filter it for you and say, you know, here's, and, here's and some good options. And it's old school, but word of mouth is, is mm. the best thing you've got. Um, you know, if people like your product... If it's a social product, like mm -hmm. ours is barbecue sauce, right, right. Um, or even a tire shop, mm -hmm. you know, if you have good experience in, in a rat race, you want somebody that will fix your car and fix it right and Absolutely. not cause you a problem along the way. Well, and, and you will tell your friends about that. It, it, I was going to say, it's not like, you know, you get anything out of it, but the first thing you think of whenever you go, oh, I've got to find a mechanic, or I've got to find a new person to cut my hair, or whatever it is you've got to find... You start asking around, who do you use? Who you know, and get recommendations from people because you know if they've had a good experience, you probably will too. And people, I mean, we all are watching our budgets, um, but with maybe a mechanic or a uh, um, a barbecue sauce, if people really like it, mm -hmm. they are willing to go through more trouble to get it. And we Absolutely. have people call us, and they're going to pay shipping, and shipping is very expensive, right? Because it's heavy. Um, and but they will do it because mm -hmm. it's worth it mm -hmm. to them, mm -hmm. and that's a pretty good testimonial for their friends. Like if he's going to go through that much trouble, maybe I should try it. Absolutely, um, it's um, it's a balance. But if you're just looking for the cheap off the shelf product, mm -hmm. you can go get that. Right. So you don't. You, we are not even trying to compete with that. We're not the high end gourmet. We're not trying to set ourselves right. out that. But elitist. you're still a specialty product. We're still very definitely. much a specialty, and if people will go up go through the trouble to find us, mm -hmm. then they are more likely to tell their friends and their friends are more likely to put stock that it must be worth trying themselves. Absolutely. I think word of mouth is so underutilized for small businesses. And it, I think so many times small businesses sometimes are also, you know, afraid to ask for the referrals or the testimonials to even put on your website. And there's you know, a lot of internet um, options there, mm -hmm. like on our website that we've not been utilizing. Right. Because it does take that, you know, maybe 30, 45 minutes to think it through, mm -hmm. and then maybe another 45 minutes to, to execute yeah, it. Exactly. Well, People that's don't an hour and a half yeah, we don't yeah, have exactly, each day. So exactly. we've put a lot of that off till now, but we are definitely trying to get our name out there more. Excellent. That's uh, good to hear because I, I was going to say people that use your product will definitely see that it's different than anything they've tasted before with barbecue sauce, and I know um, – you know, people take their barbecue sauce very personally. You know, they have a lot of, it is. It is no joke at all. So, and it, and then so many people, um, you know, that is their thing. Whether it's their, you know, tailgating for football games or whatever it is, every Saturday they, I mean, there's some serious barbecue. And people. I'd say the highest compliment we get is when someone says, "Well, I, for years I've always made my own, but." Once I, I tasted, I've, you. I've, I've switched, just, <laughs> and I mean that's that's blessed. Yeah. You have to respect the the code of mm -hmm. barbecue sauce. Mm -hmm. You don't you don't go pushing your sauce that's on somebody true. that has one. That's but. true. Yeah, because you're you're not dealing with an amateur whenever you're dealing with that. So when you look at your business, what performance metrics, what key indicators are you measuring year over year, and kind of why are they important? Um, 
Well, I said we've not focused a lot on growth. Mm-hmm. It's been we focus on it, but that's not a driving force because of the day jobs that were right. limitations. But sales growth, but you have to always keep in mind that in a small business like ours, we may have one good customer that orders mm-hmm. a big order. And right. if they ordered a month later this year or a month earlier, it mm-hmm. can really um, skew your sales numbers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. with inflation, you have to say, well, our revenues are up, but if we're paying more for everything and our, and our price went up, then we may not actually be sell any more products so you look at actual units of sale okay um i'm constantly and, and there's not a magic time frame you have to look at year to date mm-hmm. compared to last year compared right. to the last five years pre-2008 right before the recession um you're constantly looking at it through different prisms different directions mm-hmm. um i look at types of class of sales um looking at uh, retail sales mm-hmm. year over year mm-hmm. is it up or down mm-hmm. and why is that and and come up with some thoughts mm-hmm. uh, your wholesale and distributors and there again one distributor orders uh, an extra pallet on a on a trial right. project yeah. and it doesn't work that can cause a deviation it can numbers. so you so you have to look at those things and kind of think them through and not just take this number means this. I mean, Are, but do, that's what we're monitoring is unit sales and average sales price. If you add up all the sauce you give away, mm-hmm. the promos, the retail, wholesale distributors, mm-hmm. uh, you add it all up, what is that average jar selling for? Mm-hmm. And are the distributors and volume pricing, is it, how far below that is mm-hmm. it? Um, or do you find just uh, personally? I'm just kind of curious. Do you find that there's a seasonality to barbecue sauce at all? Very much so. Is it okay? Um, like I said we raise sheep. The, one of the reasons we're into winter lambing. There's a lot of sheep, oh, it's kind of sheep, an off season activity, reasons, but it's an off season. Okay. Um, we will long about April. I'll be checking the phone to mm-hmm. see if it's working. Is is our website up? Uh huh. Yeah. Nothing's happening. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then all of a sudden it hits. Okay. And it will be very busy up through July and early July. Mm-hmm. And then you get into July and you'll, your retail will maintain. Mm-hmm. But the wholesale distributor drops off because they're already stocked for winter for the rest of the summer. Okay. And then your retail carries on up. And then about September, you start checking the website again and the phone. Does it have a dollar? Yeah, phone? exactly. Something's um, wrong. And then, you know, you go into the uh, September, October is when I do fencing because it gets slower. Okay. Then, uh, that's, that's funny. About how November, you... <laughs> you start getting into the retail again. Okay. And some of the mom and pops that need to restock a case or two at a time. Mm-hmm. And then you hit January and the first two weeks, you have a lot of the boomerang Christmas business. We've ah, had it, we love it. Okay. Wanted to order some myself, and then mid late January, it just stopped. Through the rest of the winter, right. the cold winter, when no one's barbecuing, and no one's grilling. That's not all bad. Sometimes no. it's good to have downtime because this time of year we're, we're thinking equipment, we're thinking. Well, it gives plans, you that, strategic. I was going to say, it gives you that ability to step back from the actual production and say, okay, what do we really need to do overall? And that, that is having that ability to do that right. is a great blessing to some you know companies to be able to to have the moment to breathe and then say now what are we going to do from this this next big push you've got to analyze what's happening if you're too in the fray Mm -hmm. you can't think clearly you Mm -hmm. have to step back and kind of analyze what's happened why has it happened and how do we want to try Mm -hmm. the best we can control where we're moving forward Mm -hmm. 
Now, if you had to go back and, and look at what you wish you knew when you started that you actually know now, what would you say the biggest thing that you, if somebody could have told you um, some piece of wisdom? Well, on a technical side, the pricing is needing to really understand your unit price, production cost, mm -hmm. with all the, the extras and variables. Total uh, cost of goods. Right. Including and, however much equipment, it, uh, labor cost, everything. Right. And, and I picked that up, the idea of it up pretty early because I mm -hmm. did not have a big business background. Right, right, right. But I did start to piece that together. As we said, we've, we've painfully learned every lesson that someone could have mm -hmm. taught you. We've learned through trial and error. It's taken over a longer period yes, of time, yes. right? We've paid a lot of tuition. <laughs> um, but the um, your unit cost, production costs, and really getting a, a handle on those, and then the pricing structure for your business. Mm -hmm. If you have to have a retail price, and I said we're we're not. You can go to uh, any grocery store and buy it off the shelf, buy a sauce off the shelf for nothing. Right. Yeah. Ours, we can't even go there. Right. We're not trying to be the highest end, mm -hmm. you know, gourmet sauce. Right. We're trying to get it at a good price. Mm -hmm. With that said, somebody orders a pallet, they're going to expect, or two pallets, they expect uh -huh. a better, better pricing. Price. If you're going to have distributors, you're going to have to give up some of your money mm -hmm. because they've got a business to run. Right. And figuring out those pricing points and mm -hmm. pricing structures and trying to keep your, your customer end price mm -hmm. at a point where working people can buy it. Right. Is is for us has always been difficult. It and trying to come up with a pricing structure for that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have no background in that. So mm -hmm. we've had to learn it through trial and error. Well and that you know that's it's good because you're you're talking about essentially a balance between cost of total cost of goods after you've done your cost analysis and coming up with each jar cost us this much to make. And then mm -hmm adding a margin on them that's one way to come up with your pricing mm -hmm. and then at the same time balancing that with looking out what the mar market's doing as a whole and knowing that okay the low end we're not even trying to compete with and the high end we're not trying to compete with. We were dealing with, with one uh, chain there again corporate mm -hmm. um, and I finally told them well I need to go up on the price mm -hmm. and they could not they were just almost angry that we were having wow. such an increase and they kept arguing, well, you're way out of line and your price increase compared to others in your uh -huh. category. And we're like, yes, but we haven't had a price increase in six years, right. five years. Yeah. How much have they gone up in that time? They could not grasp or did not want to acknowledge that. That it was a valid point. Yeah. Yes. If we'd gone up a penny and a half every three months, mm -hmm. we'd have been fine. Mm -hmm. um, it's it, And I was going to say, it's just, it's those people that do that on an industry level and then you come out and be the anomaly and it makes you look like and you're way out big in left industries, field. industries, you have to acknowledge as a small business, a trucking company is mm -hmm. a great example. You are a, can be a difficult customer. Mm -hmm. Not that you're trying to be, mm -hmm. but you're small business. It takes right. a lot more time and energy to deal with you. Mm -hmm. So I think part of the key is to streamline yourself and make yourself less burdensome, but acknowledge that, mm -hmm. yes, I'm small, to meet me, to have a driver delivered to me, mm -hmm. I need to talk to the driver or the terminal so we can coordinate this. Right. But my point is, if I can talk to them, mm 
Mm-hmm. I will get him turned around and gone in 15 minutes, Absolutely. 10 minutes. Absolutely, and he's on his way to yes. his next thing. if you will just give me that courtesy. They don't. They want to just pull up to a loading dock because that's they're what used they to. do. Somebody's like, they're all the time just waiting on them. So you're adding mm-hmm. to their burden, and you need to understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it doesn't give you a lot of leverage whenever you're trying to negotiate pricing or but a, but even a, services. A jar of barbecue sauce and a quick turnaround will yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it can definitely help uh, sweeten the pot for the driver. So so at this point, what's next for Old Mule Barbecue Sauce? We're trying to tighten down. We've um, The uh, marketing side of things has to pick up the pace. We've, we've had a lot of inefficiencies. As we okay. said, with the day job, mm-hmm. there's just built-in inefficiencies. The day job, in our case, has to be first. Right. There's no compromise there. We've had batches that... I got called out in the middle of, mm-hmm. you turn off the switch, Wow! and there's probably nothing to salvage when you yeah. get back. And oh, that's just, wow. it's painful, yeah. but it just has to be. Mm-hmm. We don't have that anymore. So Wow, so that's an automatic game. Right, that you... Those are, there are inefficiencies. That only happened once or twice, but there's inefficiencies the way we were doing it, mm-hmm. that now we're going back and looking at those inefficiencies. How can we streamline? How can we have continuity of thought between um, a list of six avenues I want to pursue this year Mm -hmm. and coming up with a plan for each one and then maybe tossing two out, but Mm -hmm. actually going through that process and carrying that from an idea Mm -hmm. to uh, completion without having three years in between. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which does, I was going to say, your timeline for everything from what you've done from... It doesn't mean that no one can make a business grow from 1995 to 2014 faster than you could, but it, because it's been kind of simmering beneath your day jobs, which, you know, a lot of businesses start out like that. Well, we could have pushed it, but we knew we weren't leaving the day job in our case. Right. Um, and, you know, there's a date at which you can get there. Yeah. Uh, so what do you do in between? Um, for us, it's now going back and filling in those holes to make it a full fully functional business mm-hmm. and take some of those inefficiencies out. Mm-hmm. Um, continuity, because the, the, what I've come to realize over the last many years, not just about myself, is people only have so much time, energy, and focus. Right. And you will uh, split yourself up into so many ways you can't focus on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to keep a small business enjoyable. I wouldn't say fun, because <laughs> right. some days are just plain yeah, not it, fun. It, yeah. But it's got to be enjoyable if it's if you're losing the enjoyment, you're sunk. Mm-hmm. The day you dread the thought of it, you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes too much energy otherwise. So I think trying to strike that balance as you're growing your business between mm-hmm. pushing it forward, right. but also throttling back to recognize it's not going to happen as fast as you think it is. Right. You, you, everybody reads about the company that did it in Overnight. 60 days, yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's a thousand of them that... That they're not here 20 years later. Or or they're successful, but it takes a lot longer. Yeah, sucks the life right out of you. So what is the favorite tool that you use in the day-to-day running of your business? Um, I would probably, uh, uh, well, in our case, it's QuickBooks. Okay. Peachtree or there's some some other accounting software. Uh That is where I can, I originally started because our QuickBooks is very odd mm-hmm. because I originally started it just as a way to keep up with my customers. Okay. As a, okay. As a database. Right. And then I've added other things to it, mm-hmm. the actual vendors and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But that is what allows me when I'm just sitting there and have a lucid moment mm -hmm. to say, oh, I'm curious, how much did they buy last year? And I can look at individual customers and individual, I'm talking about companies, mm -hmm. year over year. Mm -hmm. And I can, with some of the newer versions, because we bought our first in 2001, and mm -hmm. I think it's 10 years before I upgraded. Wow. <laughs> um, so, wow, this technology went a long way. Yeah, really. <laughs> you can so, do all this, you don't have to do it manually so you, anymore. You can sort out a lot of your trends and mm -hmm. In, in our case, like, well, where do you sell the most sauce mm -hmm. outside of North Carolina? Where where are you? Where are your retail customers? Mm -hmm. Not just, you know, you could have one company that orders three pallets mm -hmm. in the Midwest, but that does that count? Right. Yeah. Where, are they the so, outlier? So you, know? you look at it and you say, well, oddly enough, for us, California is where we do a lot of our mail That's order. Really California, Texas, Florida. Wow. Interesting. Um, so. You, you get these, uh, your ability to look at those numbers mm -hmm. and, and massage them and kind of look at them from different angles. That it really and, is interesting when you can slice and dice your data and it gives you a different, sometimes it validates the assumptions you thought you already knew. Sometimes it gives you a completely different yeah. perspective you, and you're like, I had no idea. You may have a production cost and you realize there's a customer that for whatever reason is below that. Mm -hmm. By the time you factor in trucking or whatever, mm -hmm. that you're actually below that. There may be a reason, uh, and I mentioned uh, some of these uh, free promotional stuff, is one company was doing a commercial with us mm -hmm. and selling our sauce, and I'm oh, yeah. selling it to them at a loss. Oh, absolutely. But in order to get the shipping in, they weren't trying to buy it cheap. Mm -hmm. but there's just no way they could resell it. But that was good for us. Right, There's right. a reason behind it, and it was closed-ended. It wasn't an ongoing thing. Right. Um, the other thing, the last few years, and I'm not a tech guy, computer guy by any stretch, uh, but spreadsheets, oh. um, that I really put a lot of variables, and I haven't been able to use it until just this year. Um, a lot of the really crunching your numbers mm -hmm. on your production costs and every input not just ingredients, uh, right, but right, labor, electricity, insurance, oh, phone yeah. bills, and, and there's, um, I mean, everything that you do in your business has to be accounted for in that that unit you, cost. If you're going to get in a four month supply of something, mm -hmm. and you're going to go and unload that truck and put it away and everything, factor in that labor mm -hmm. at at a at that labor rate, not mm -hmm. at what you're worth. Because, right. like I said, you may be worth. A CEO price, right. but, and, and that's the purity of it is you need to understand your business inside and out, mm -hmm. and the spreadsheet and the uh, accounting software mm -hmm. really, if you don't know spreadsheets, they can be kind of cumbersome and mm -hmm. finicky and difficult, mm -hmm. but they are wonderful for your ability to say, well, if I can buy this at this lower price, what does that do to Boom, my Boom, look price? at everything. If, if they're going to go, if I buy certain things at a certain time of year, mm -hmm. I can get it at a lower price. Do I? What's okay. it going to cost me to store it? Hell yeah, hold it. And I can then compare those two scenarios mm -hmm. of buying in bulk um, versus not, and mm -hmm. you can plug in different numbers and and really start to zero it in. And you may be off by ten percent, but if you're consistent, you'll consistently be off by ten percent. Right, you still right, see yeah. Where you're falling? <laughs> exactly. You can still at least know where you fall on the ranking as far as are we making money, or are we losing money on that. Now, um, I would assume that a lot of your business um, revolves around repeat customers. 
um, or getting people to purchase after that Very initial, so. uh, you know, Aunt Louise bought this from as she was going through the mountains to see the leaves, you know. Um, so what are, have you done anything to try to, um, as far as customer retention or try to increase repeat orders or anything like that? Not as much as I should. Mm -hmm. um, there's different avenues out there. There again, they all take some uh, some focus and mm -hmm. we've not, that's sort of where we're just starting okay. now. Um, it's interesting, I've noticed this past, well, probably three months, mm -hmm. we've seen a lot of customers that we have not heard from in, and talking about retail customers, mm -hmm. uh, mail order customers that we have not heard from in two, three, four, five years. Um, ah. And I, I don't know if that's economy, but maybe that, their business picking back up. Well, after, I'm, I'm talking yeah. about retail customers. Oh, okay. Um, a lot of the mom and pops, because we usually get probably a half dozen or a dozen mom and pops each year that mm -hmm. call us and say we want to carry your sauce. Right. Um, uh, there's a lot of those you just never hear from again, mm -hmm. and I think a lot mm -hmm. of them got a business. A lot of them might decide it was stuff True. you know isn't working for us. Mm -hmm. um, but the um, uh, you, you have to be open to opportunities, but but those repeat customers mm -hmm. are are very valuable, especially with like I said, a barbecue sauce where somebody orders a case, and their buddies always hit them up for three or four jars. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah, uh, for a business like ours, that's that's more than any uh, internet mm -hmm. ad campaign yeah. you can do. That word, yeah, that word of mouth, and not just that, but you know, it happens. It happens so organically. You know, whenever you have people over, I know. I know. With us, our biggest thing is um, putting the old mule in the pot of chili, right. and we can go to the church potluck, or we can have people over to watch a football game, and no matter what happens, everyone is like, "What is it? That chili is different," you know. And so that's our little thing, you know. And, and I think looking for where your product can be used. In our case, like I said, the uh, showing people that. The, for the party event, the mm -hmm. tailgate, whatever, some, mm -hmm. some Smoky Joe sausages, a crock pot, yeah. and some sauce. Yeah. Everybody's kind of heard of that. Everybody's mm -hmm. kind of done it. But then you say, well, if you have the right sauce. Yeah, it tastes different. It's a completely so different experience. It, you know, you've made it easy mm -hmm. for them to try it. And going back to the restaurant thing, what we find is a lot of restaurants don't want anybody to know what they use. Absolutely. So, yeah. you so you're to, not going to get that word of mouth from yeah, them. You're going to get sales. Volume, but not and the, that's it. Yeah. So, that's interesting. You know. Yeah, that's funny. So, um, as a local business owner, I know we, we have a, probably will have some listeners that are looking for whatever their niche is to start a business. And as a local business owner, um, you're probably the best resource to tell us what holes you see in the market. What what are you seeing that you wish you could get locally or you could have a service that would be provided locally, but you can't find it or you, you've noticed these big holes in the market? What's, um, what's it for you? Well, I'd have to look back. This The time we're in now, not the economic times, but the internet and kind of the uh, interest in local products uh, was not there when we stepped into the market. Right, right. So, uh, if I were starting over, there would be a lot of my view on resources would be different than they are at this point in the game mm -hmm. for us. Um, one of the things we're always running into, and I've noticed uh, some other companies that do similar things as us, there are people out there, but we're in a little more rural area. Mm -hmm. um, courier delivery ah, okay. uh, seems to be a thing. Not a, um, uh, not, not a big... Point, like point A to B delivery, uh -huh. but more the, listen, I, I need, well, right now I've got some 
uh, sauce I need to deliver. Mm -hmm. And it may not be cost effective for me to take it, but they're a good customer. They need it. I need to get them stocked mm -hmm. for the sake of the business. Right. For their business, my business. And we'll worry about making money mm -hmm. when things pick up in right. the spring. Um, I may not have time to get that. If somebody with a van, a cargo van, mm -hmm. that was professional mm -hmm. and could be pleasant and good demeanor beyond just the driving the van part, mm -hmm. uh, could make that delivery for me. Mm -hmm. uh, they can run and pick up. I'm, you know, I'm 50 cases short on jars. Um, that up. shuttle service, mm -hmm. courier service, um, and just kind of be my my guy for that. And that's not just us. I've seen that mm -hmm. in other businesses too. And there are people that do that, um, but a lot of them are focused on the. We're not the tractor trailer line. We're mm -hmm. the small point A to point B regional mm -hmm. line. This is more of a courier. And, and almost more on an ad hoc basis, too. Yes. It's not a regular route. It's not a regular thing. It's not documents. It's not running, you know, between the courthouse and the lawyer's office every and, day. And there again, I don't know that you would um, pay off the farm the right. first year doing that. Right. But if you had a van and you had the demeanor, Mm -hmm. There are options out there, I think, where you could probably start to carve out a niche over time. Yeah, you would think, and the thing is, I, I would I would say you probably would agree with this, that if you found your go-to person for that, it would come across again and again. Mm -hmm. It's in your conversations with other businesses, and before you know it, there would be a, a word-of-mouth transfer that way. And, and I've lived in more... Uh, urban suburban areas before and rural areas and the thing you find in the rural areas is there's a lot of people that work mm -hmm. and they don't have a job mm -hmm. they drive a tractor trailer mm -hmm. they also haul fertilizer they do mm -hmm. some welding they, they have a collection and, of and jobs. none of their things they're doing in and of themselves are really going to make a living mm -hmm. but all of it together does mm -hmm. and make you know a very good way for their family mm -hmm. and i think that that's some of this is don't look for that one thing that's going to make right. you the big salary. Mm -hmm. If you can start piecing together, and uh, the the small courier delivery business, um, there again you have the FedEx and every, but everybody's so defined in mm -hmm. their business model. Yeah, what the I'm anomalies for, don't fit in. You're yeah. looking for the flexibility of can you get it Thursday and just run it by there? Right. And, and I think yeah. with that you start saying yeah because if I can move that to Friday would that work because mm -hmm. I've got another guy that wants me to take. Absolutely, and uh, I empty don't have an empty van going back and right. forth anywhere. You know, it's um it's also there's there's this movement of the the share economy where um, essentially. You might have a resource, whether it's, you know, you have an extra car sitting out in right. your yard, and instead of letting it sit there, you you are able to use resources or share resources and turn them into. So, I mean, if I think about, you know, somebody that has a van that's sitting there, you know, there is a way, if you have the time and you know a few people, there is a way to turn that van into a little bit of cash flow. And I think that's the... Um... Uh, dual purpose on anything in a small business, mm -hmm. like you mentioned, the van mm -hmm. driving empty. Back. Mm -hmm. Anytime you can backhaul in a mm -hmm. great business mm -hmm. is good. Um, so I think anytime you make a decision in small business, if you can accomplish a couple of goals with it, mm -hmm. whether it's yes, I make money on this, plus it promotes our product right. and gets us into a new geographical area that we weren't before. Right. Uh, I think. Anytime you can find dual purpose, multi-purpose, mm -hmm. and things. So if you have a van sitting, uh, the the issue you get into delivering 
is uh, the insurance rules mm-hmm. and the work comp. Who's mm-hmm. working for you? It can get very right. complicated. Uh, but somebody that carves that niche out for themselves, mm-hmm. that is their business. Mm-hmm. I don't have to hire them as, mm-hmm. an, as an employee. They're an independent contractor right. and they're responsible. And, you know, if you think about it, too, there are probably plenty of people that um, whether they might be unemployed or in between jobs or whatever, that do have a van that would be perfect for hauling, you know, light loads of things around. And they're sitting there with nothing but time on their hands. And so there is a way to get out there and maybe do kind of the unconventional job market. And I think a lot of uh, uh, retired, semi-retired truck drivers that know the industry, Mm -hmm. uh, know the business, but are out of that yeah. rat race. I think mm-hmm. there's there's a, a good model there because as I've told my kids, if you'll show up on time, oh, man. sober, and yes. say, sir, ma'am, please and thank you, you it's can own the world. unbelievable. It absolutely is. I completely agree with that because it just, it, you know, my dad always used to say, well, the cream rises to the top, Christy. And, you know, and, and it's true, but it's just right now that it seems like it doesn't take a lot other than mm-hmm. showing up on time, being there, and being the go-to person whenever something's going on. do what they on. need done. Absolutely. Don't have a, you know, don't have your own agenda, but do do what they're asking, and before you know it, you'll be running the place. So that's definitely a good point. So um, for anyone in the uh, North Western North Carolina area that's wanting to uh, start a business, you might want to think about the uh, local parcel or courier type thing and and see if you can get in touch with Steve about uh, any of his deliveries. Now, what I also wanted to give you an opportunity to do is promote anything. You have um, you have a website, mm-hmm. and um, I'm going to link up in the show notes to the website so people can go that go there. Is it Old Mule? Oldmule.com. Oldmule.com and. Um, you can find all of his products there. Is there anything going on um, with your business right now that you want to promote? Um, well, we're we're trying to get uh, just get out there more this mm-hmm. year. We're looking for venues, um, looking for uh, different companies to partner with in different geographical areas. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to find some um, some medium size or small distributor mm-hmm. um, broker type businesses. We're not really wanting to play in the big leagues. Right. Um, I don't know if it's a combination of that's not really us, and also we're probably not fully ready for a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, think, you have, kind of have to play by their rules when that happens. And it's a big world, yeah. and we don't, we don't have to go but so far. But we're really focusing on um, that side of the resale business, mm-hmm. but also on the retail, mm-hmm. on the Internet and basically cut out the difficulties of dealing with uh, uh, so many players in between mm-hmm. and going Go direct straight to direct to I mean, it's the internet mm-hmm. age and you can look at the sales this year for the big right. box stores over Christmas and the internet shift mm-hmm. and um, it for a small business it provides a whole lot of opportunity to go directly to customers and they're gonna have to take a little bit of a chance on you mm-hmm. um, but if they like the product you know most people are, are are going to get and spend their money and their time on what they think's giving them value. Mm-hmm. And if you're delivering that, I think you'll you'll build business. Well, and I'm you know there, I would have no doubt that we probably have some people listening that would be um, people that are the owners of these small stores that focus on <clears throat> um, local and handmade products and that sort of thing. And um, I would encourage you to go to, to Steve's website, oldmule.com, and check out um, the products. He's got a couple of different varieties of sauce. Um, well, you've got the mustard, mustard. the we, Carolina mustard. We have based our, on... our original, mm-hmm. we have the mustard, and we have a hot version of the original. Okay, so We there's... also have uh, 
for the restaurant only right now, mostly because we just haven't been able to afford to new labels mm. uh we have a, what we call our sissy version which okay. is the original with no no bite at all i gotcha okay so like the extra wimpy and then so we, we call it our no <laughs> kick our half kick our full kick okay there's <laughs> that's good getting the mule kicks in there so that's excellent so um we've got that and so and the other part is that if you you know by supporting um old mule you also are looking at supporting a local handmade um product and, and a, a product that is while it you know the internet age allows people to buy it anywhere but it's it's a whole lot better if you have to buy something that you can't get locally or that you want to stock products from other parts of the country to buy them from places that are doing it kind of the focus on the craft and the art of making that and I, th I think that that's sort of a buzz word mm -hmm. these days and I, I believe in that completely I think as a business owner, you have to make decisions that are good for your business. Um, but it, there's in small business, there's kind of a heart mm -hmm. that uh, if you can make a deal with a local uh, supplier mm -hmm. um, and it's mutually beneficial, then I think you're better off to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can't always do that. That's, right. You, you yeah. can't be a Pe purist. That's but... it. People live in different areas where some of the stuff is not available. So you could definitely feel good about knowing that you are – um, keeping money in a local economy um, and supporting a uh, product that is from start to finish made completely under your values and under your control as far as uh, the actual product being made. So that's good to know. Now, are you guys on Facebook at all? We are. Okay, so it's that, Facebook. That's kind of a new thing for us. Okay. Again, with the, uh, the day jobs, we've shied away from any publicity. Yeah, it's uh, something as simple as... Uh, this interview would not have happened last without year without the internet. Exactly. Uh, well, so, it would well not have happened the, the with time. The that's job. true. That's true. My day true. job, I would not have uh, put my name out there like this. That's funny. Uh, so, Facebook.com is it Old Mule? Um, uh, I, I, it should be under Old Mule. Old Mule. My, okay. I'll link up to it. My wife is handling that. I'm not a Facebooker. Yeah. That, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. You have to go through his wife to get to Steve on that. So, um, but we'll link up to that in our show notes um, as well. And. Um, any parting piece of wisdom you want to share with us? Um. I would say um, in a small business, you start to starve sometimes for, mm -hmm. for money or opportunity mm -hmm. and your back's against the wall. Everybody starts with great notions of, I'm going to do this and it's going to be great and awesome yeah. and the highest quality, the highest service. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a supplier one time tell me, I was a restaurant supplier, he said yes, but he said what you always see in restaurants is they start off that way. And then they start pinching the pennies because mm. all of a sudden they're not making the money. And I think that's true in all small businesses or most small businesses. You start to, it's not coming fast enough. It's not there. And you start cutting corners. Mm -hmm. And the, the one advice, and there again, we had the day jobs, mm -hmm. so it helps, but is staying honest and staying true to uh, some basic fair play principles. Mm -hmm. And don't worry about the money. The money uh. is about keeping the score. Mm -hmm. Now, we all want to make the money. We need the money to make the business run. Right. But when you're starting off, you're not going to make enough for it to change your life. Mm -hmm. you're, you will end up making mistakes if you're focused on that extra little sale mm -hmm. at the compromise of what's in your customer's best interest. Uh. I can, if the store clerk doesn't know how much they normally order, I can slide a little yeah. more in on them, but I'm not helping my customer. Right, right. So... Don't focus on making the money at the expense of your principles and values. Run a good business. Um, stick to your values. 
and build value in your company. If you do what's right for your business and grow it strong, it will return the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That will come, hopefully. It doesn't always. Well, it, yeah, I was going to say, though, but you find out that, that that happens more often than not. If people have those priorities of... Um, building a business based on their values or their principles or the, the quality of the product they want to provide, and they just keep taking action, and then eventually it might take, get to that, you know, it's that whole tipping point thing. It, you know, it might take a while to get to that tipping point, but it will eventually well, come. Well, and if you're not going to be able to do it on on some sense of solid values and mm-hmm. integrity, then what's What's the point? The point? You're just looking for a quick buck after that. So, yeah. and, and people, we talked about word of mouth being the ultimate. That mm-hmm. will also kill you quicker than anything. So ah, that's true. You are right. True to your customers and what they need and stand behind your products. Yeah, excellent, excellent advice. Um, Steve, thank you so much. I tell you, I cannot well, thank you, thank you enough it. for all the time that you've spent with us and, and just you know coming and actually physically being here today. That's very exciting. And then to give us so many just nuggets, golden nuggets in here. And I'm going to, you know, go through and on the show notes of this, I'll put everything out there, um, link to any of the um, places where people can find you online. But it has just been an absolute pleasure to hear you talk about your business. And for those of you that have never tried Old Mule, I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. It's a different kind of barbecue sauce than you've ever had before. Um, but it could probably be your secret ingredient for your next uh, chili cook-off or something like that. Just don't keep it a secret. That's right. <laughs> just to keep it a secret long enough to get people People bought into it. So we'll link up to all the show notes. But again, uh, thank you so much for coming. I appreciate thank you. it. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. You can find all the resources mentioned in this podcast in the show notes at www.brickandmortarreporter.com. If you've enjoyed listening to this interview today and you've enjoyed the content and the experiences that were shared here, I would be so happy and so grateful if you would take the time to go into iTunes, leave us a quick review or rating. We appreciate all your feedback. We love hearing from you. We want to make this podcast the best it can be with every single episode. So hop on over to iTunes. I'll have the link listed in the show notes, and you can give us a review and or rating, and we thank you for it. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local.